We are in Psalm 10 today. Psalm 10. So turn there. Turn there in your Bibles. And uh, title of the sermon today is Lord, Move Against Wickedness. Uh, Merry Christmas. All right. Uh, Lord, Move Against Wickedness. We're doing our series through Psalms, and this is where uh, we land today. And uh, big subject. And I'd like to start it today um, just thinking about our typical approach when we see and face wickedness in our world. I think the primary thing, and, and y'all can come up with a, maybe a better list than, than what I've got, but let's just go with this. I think what happens is we're kind of doing this. We're reading the news. We're looking at the news. We're watching, we're watching videos of what's happening in the world. And what we can tend to do is just stare at it, right? We can just stare at it. Or we can hate the people that are doing wicked things. That's another thing that could happen. And then a third thing is indifference. And we're seeing it and we're like, ah, I'm just going to move on. I'm going I'm to do something else. It's not going to land. It's not going to hit me hard. And I, I want to say, that, so there's, this, there's three things, uh, staring hating the people and indifference. And, and I want to share with each of you today that none of those are Christian options, all right? Uh, those are the natural thing for us to do, uh, the easy things for us to do. It's probably what most people are doing, and I'm, I'm trying not to generalize, categorize too much, but we have to know as Christians that, that we as Christians must do more than those things. So we want to talk about that today. And um, we want to consider how to stop and how to pray honestly about the wickedness that's in our world. And Psalm 10 helps us toward that. And here's, here's a phrase I want to give us as we get going today. Uh, and this phrase is kind of loaded with intentionality uh, for our good, uh, Lord willing. So there's, there's some things that we want to go after as we're thinking as Christian people, as we're observing the world. And, and it's this phrase. We want to have biblical conviction with compassion, without coddling, okay? We want to have biblical conviction, with compassion, without coddling. And I want to share that I think sometimes we can have zero of the three. And sometimes we could have one of the three, but it imbalances the rest of them, and and the gospel isn't well represented in our minds, hearts, lives, and deeds, But when we have all three, when we're informed by God's word about what biblical convictions need to be, and then we're informed by God's word and Jesus about what compassion needs to be, and then we're conformed, we're we're affirmed in God's word thinking like, no, Lord, this is what you say, so I can't coddle others about the wickedness in this world. We, therefore, can maintain like the balance from the word. And Psalm 10 helps us tremendously with that. And we're going to observe the psalmist going through this. The psalmist has worked through that. We're going to see this as we go today. It's easy to stare. It's easy to hate. It's easy to be neutral and different, but none of these are Christian options. So what what Psalm 10 does, this is really amazing. We think about generally prayer, right? Big picture prayer. It's a huge thing the Psalms are about. It's our prayer language from the Lord. God gives us what to say to him. It's beautiful. He's literally training us. He's equipping us about how to pray through the difficult things that are going on in this world, through the wickednesses, as is our subject today. But, but what the Lord does in Psalm 10 is he kind of peels back that big subject of prayer and he gives us three movements within prayer that we're going to see today. And those movements are lament 
and plea and trust. And that's gonna form our points today. Three points, all right? Lament, plea, and trust. My abbreviations in the sermon today for my notes is LPT. And maybe you can think about it like that. I'm a big abbreviations guy. Like all, many of you I think about as like the abbreviation of your name, right? LPT, lament, plea, trust. And the purpose of that, just simplify it for us. And here's the big idea as we get going today. It's as wickedness prevails, lament it, plea with God, and trust his word. Okay? As wickedness prevails, lament it, plea with God, and trust his word. So as you're writing that down, I just want to share with you a quick couple of things about Psalm 9 and 10. Psalm 9 and 10, they go together. Here's how we know. Uh, Psalm 10 does not have a superscript. Psalm 9 does. So they go together. There's some neat linguistic things that are occurring between Psalm 9 and Psalm 10. They go together. But better stated, they provide a tight loop for us of prayer, Psalm 9 and 10. All right? We think about like a big loop of prayer, and then we think about a tight loop prayer. Like we keep coming back to each of these important things, and here are the important things. From Psalm 9, if you remember from two Sundays ago, it's thankfulness to God that he triumphs over wickedness. God, you triumph over wickedness. We praise you for this. You've done so many things. You've pushed back evil, right? Remember that from a few weeks ago? We thank God that he triumphs over wickedness, but the, the other half of that tight loop is pleading with God that he will triumph over wickedness. We're thankful that he does, and we plea with him that he will. And we recognize that those two realities go together. He will, he is, and we must plead that he would. And so Psalm 10 is pleading with God that he will triumph over wickedness. So here, here we go. First, it's lament wickedness prevailing in our world. What do we do? As we think like, Lord, move against wickedness, what do we do? How do we pray? How do we not just stare or hate or be indifferent? What's the first step? And the first step is lament wickedness prevailing in our world. So look at this from verse one. It says, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? So, so interestingly, the first thing that the psalmist laments is not wickedness, but he's lamenting God's apparent inactivity against wickedness. How honest is that? He's like, God, your word says this is sin, but it sure seems like you're not allowing, you're, you're, it sure seems like you're allowing it to thrive rather than tamping it down with accountability. Like, what's up, Lord? There's sin everywhere. There's wickedness everywhere. You say you're just, but you're not doing, it doesn't seem like you're doing anything about it. And so the first lament that the psalmist has is about the Lord's apparent inactivity against wickedness. And y'all, this is appropriate prayer. Obviously, it's in God's word. It's in the equipping book for us about the words for prayer. And so we're like, I don't know if I'm comfortable praying like that to the Lord. And then we're thinking, but it's okay to pray to the Lord like that. Let me give you an illustration of that. So a kid is frustrated about something. The kid's the kid is confused, the kid is maybe angry, the kid is raging a bit about something much like in verse one of Psalm 10. And rather than raging out at other people, being angry out, fighting out, that kid chooses to rage in the arms of his or her loving father. And so you're wrestling and you're squirmy and you're punching like, Lord, I don't get this. This is uncomfortable. I'm not okay. I like this, what I see out here doesn't match. Like, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable, Lord. And you're raging within the strong arms of the Father who loves you. And in that moment, the Father is safe. The Father can handle it. 
The Father loves you, and the Father will lead you. Y'all, this is healthy, squirmy prayer. Healthy, squirmy prayer. How much better for us to take the things that are difficult and go right into the loving arms of the Lord and for us to just rest with all of our energy, all of that adrenaline, all of our confusion in his loving arms rather than rage out. Y'all with me on that? That's what the psalmist is doing. And we're gonna see how messed up the psalmist is about the things that are going on in the world. So for him to, verse one, just say it like that, I commend all of that to you, to squirm in the loving arms of the Father. And that's healthy prayer. Right, verses 2 through 11, the psalmist lists eight laments about the current wickedness in his day. And, and I just want to say, um, they're the same wickednesses for our day. Right? They're not going to surprise or be new to any of us whatsoever. But before we look at that list of eight, I want to define lament so we see it while we're reading it. Okay? Uh, here's what lament is. Lament is knowing what is God's way and knowing what is not God's way and then grieving the gap. That's lament, grieving the gap between what is God's way and what is not God's way. And what's important is you have to know what God's way is and you have to know what isn't God's way so that you can lament properly. Are you with me on that? Like a lot of people are just making up lament. They're making up lament based on their feelings or they're making up lament based on what other people are lamenting on social media or whatever. So they're like, I lament that too. But we as Christians have God's word. We know God, we know his word. So we lament according to the gap between who God is and what he says and and what is happening in this world. And we lament the gap. That's lament, right? That's mature Christian lament. And, And as we go in the Lord, as we grow in him, we're gonna get better and better at it. So regarding personal sin, real lament leads to repentance. Real lament leads to repentance regarding personal sin. And then regarding worldly wickedness, real lament leads to prayer. Real lament leads to prayer. So uh, here are the eight things the psalmist is lamenting that are all too familiar for us. And we're just going to go through. So here's the deal. I've got them up here. Y'all can try to write them all down, but listen, that, those are my words, just kind of paraphrasing what we're happening. I'd rather you focus on God's word and maybe like take a picture of that or something. We can get it to you this week on, on the articles thing, on the, on the app, whatever. But I, I want you to focus on God's word, not the list as much. Just maybe follow it for comprehension, okay? So here's from verse two, the first one. It's pursuing the weak as prey. All right, the first wickedness that the psalmist is listening, listing. Verse two says, in arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. That's his first, that's his first lament. Pursuing the weak is prey. From verse three a, it says, for the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. That's the wicked hallelujah-ing ungodly living. Y'all, I was struck, I was studying this Monday, Tuesday, one day this week, and I recognize that the, the Hebrew word for boasts in verse three is the word hallel, which is the beginning of the word hallelujah. So this verse is saying that the wicked are praising and worshiping the desires of their flesh. They're, they've made the desires of their flesh their God. They're worshiping it. It's not just we desire it. It's not just we boast in it. It's they are worshiping it. This is hallelujah-ing, ungodly living. Here's the third one from verse 3b. It's, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces 
the Lord. So that's greed while making false oaths. That verse for that word for curse there, it doesn't mean like four-letter words, right? It means uh, promising things to others that you know you're not going to keep to exploit them and and gain selfishly. Okay, so so it's greed while making false oaths. Here's the fourth one from verses four through five. It's proud denial of God. Proud denial of God. It says, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him, meaning seek God. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Do y'all see that? All of his thoughts are, there is no God. His way prospers at all times, meaning the way of the wicked prospers at all times. We're so frustrated by that. Like, Lord, we're trying to live righteously, but the wicked are prospering in this world. What's up with that? And we realize we're exiles here in this world right? Uh, heaven is, is our world to come, right? His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for all of his foes, he puffs at them. Proud denial of God. There is no God. There is no accountability for me. I'm going to do whatever I want in this world. Here's the fifth one from verse six. It's assumed immunity from adversity, assumed immunity from adversity from verse six. It says, he says in his heart, I shall not be moved throughout all generations. I shall not meet adversity. How naive is that? But that's how the wicked have set themselves up so that they're, they're bulletproof in a sense. They're like, I got everything I need. I got all the cover I need. I got all the care I need. But they're recognizing, they're, they, they think that they will never face adversity. That's the dream that they're trying to live. The sixth one, from verse 7, is outright lying while mocking God. Verse 7 says, His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. So this is outright lying to, again, exploit others and mocking God's accountability in the midst of that. And then here's the seventh one from verses 8 through 10. It's ambushing the poor for gain. It says, he sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him to his feet. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. The wicked are ambushing the poor for gain. And then here's the eighth one from verse 11. It's fearlessness about God's judgment. Verse 11 says, He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Fearlessness about God's judgment. Now, several observations as we, as we just kind of like, okay, that's, that's heavy, Lord, verses 2 through 11 are heavy. What a list. All right, as we just kind of take a breath, I, wanna, I want you to consider several things. First, notice that the psalmist isn't wishy-washy whatsoever about what's wicked. Do you notice that? The psalmist knows what is wicked and he's lamenting it before the Lord. So how does he know what is wicked? Because he knows God and he knows God's word. That's how we know what is wicked. We know God and we know his word. So he's lamenting what is God's way and what is not. He's lamenting the gap between what is God's way and what is not God's way. And that's important for us. Let me ask you, do you know God and do you know God's word so that you can properly understand what is wicked and what is not? Or are generally you kind of making it up? Are you riding the wave of the world? Like the world says this is good, so I'm okay with it. The world says this is bad, so I think that's bad. Or are we like, nope, 
We're believers. This is God's voice written down, so we believe this. Right? The psalmist, by all means, knows exactly who the Lord is, what God's word says, so he's able to make a list like this and therefore pray very accurately. Think about it. When you know God and you know God's word, you can pray more accurately. Your prayers are more effective because you're agreeing with God, like, God, this is wicked, and so I want to pray against it, and I want to grieve with you about the things that are happening here. And you can make a huge impact in prayer as a result of accurate prayer. Second thing to consider is the intensification of wickedness between Psalms 2 and Psalms 10. So in Psalm 2, it's the wicked meditate on vanity, right? They're thinking about things that are worthless. That's Psalm 2. Then in Psalm 4, the wicked love vain words. So now they're like, I want to hear that stuff. I want my ears to be tickled. I love saying vain words, things that are meaningless. And then, uh, and then in Psalm 7, the wicked are conceiving evil and giving birth to lies. So we're talking about the intensification of evil and wickedness in the world. And now in Psalm 10, they're outwardly hallelujahing their wicked living. We've, we've really gone far from Psalm 2 to Psalm 10. And consider this, Jesus summed up the law in this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And I want you all to consider that zero for eight are doing that. In fact, they're doing the exact opposite. God's design completely ignored. That's the wickedness that the psalmist is lamenting. Now, um, as your pastor, I just want to encourage you toward, toward something. I actually want to encourage you away from something. I want to encourage you away from abiding in the news, Okay. I want to encourage you away from abiding in the news. Do not abide in the news of wickedness. We abide in who? We abide in the Lord. It doesn't mean don't be aware of wickedness in the world. It doesn't mean don't be aware of the news. We need to be aware of those things, but we don't abide in it. And I think sometimes we can get so stricken, right? We can stare at it, or we can hate what's happening, or hate the people, or we can can be indifferent about it. Don't abide in that. Instead, step into lament, And then, check this out, don't abide in lament. Lament is a step. It's not a lifestyle, okay? We lament and then there's more verses in Psalm 10. Are you with me on that? I think some Christians are like, lament is awesome, that's the new thing, it's trendy, and we wanna make sure we're doing it right, which this is helping us do. But then we don't live in the lifestyle of lament, we move on toward what God would have for us, and the next one is, that next step is plea with God. God to move against wickedness, right? You lament it and you, your lamenting is informed by God and God's word. And then next, you plea with God to move against wickedness. Now, how many of y'all just like in the last month, something terrible happens and uh, like I'm watching the news or probably even worse, I'm like reading Twitter about the news and then like if you dare to read the comments, Whew, man, like that just makes me think, Lord Jesus, come back. Like, right, that'll make me pray it, right? But, but really amazing people who are on the other side of the world or in a different state from something bad that's happening and really un- incapable of doing something about that exact thing because of their location are like, well, they will, they will say in an interview or they'll tweet or, or whatever it is, um, they'll say, we're praying for you. We're praying for this situation. We're praying for the victims. We're praying for the, we're praying for the, uh, the criminal. And then the next tweet or person on the news would be like, I don't want your prayers. I want you to do something. 
Y'all with me on that? Are y'all familiar with that? I'm tired of your prayers. And and there's two things that people mean when they say that. The first thing that those people mean when they say that is God can't do anything. That's one thing they mean. The second thing they mean is they want people who are praying to do something about it. And, And so here's the thought about that. One of the things we as Christians are doing is praying. Why? Because we believe firmly in the power of prayer, amen? Like God is more powerful than anything we can do, right? Now, we also need to do things, but we also need to recognize like things are happening on the other side of the world. All we can do is pray. And by all means, let's pray, right? But we gotta recognize like prayer is powerful. And so we, so we plea with the Lord to move against wickedness. So, so here's verses 12 through 15. 12 through 15 say this. This is the plea, right? So he's lamented, now he pleads. He says, he says, arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. That's plea. So he's not in lament anymore, right? Now he's in plea. So there's two basic pleas from Psalm 10. Uh, From verse 12, it's this. It's help, Lord, help those whom the wicked are afflicting. And y'all, you can, you can pray that prayer about just about anything that's happening. It's simple, it's general. Lord, help those whom the wicked are afflicting. And then you can fill in those with names or people groups or situations or whatever. Lord, help those whom the wicked are afflicting. The second plea from verses 13 through 15 is, Lord, overcome their strong arm with your strong arm. And notice, uh, hand is used twice here, and then arm is used once here in, in, 12 through, uh, in 12 through 15. And so what's happening, what we see and what, uh, what we believers who are in exile here in this world see is we see the prevailing wickedness in the world, and we're like, man, that is a strong arm. That is a strong hand. And then when we pray as believers, we're like, God, your arm is stronger. So move in power, Lord. We plea with you to move against wickedness, overcome their strong arm with your strong arm. It doesn't lie being like, you know, the the wickedness stuff in this world. It's just little. It's honoring, like it's big. In fact, they're strong arming so many people and instead it's like, Lord, your arm is stronger and so we pray that you would move in power. All right, so here's some examples. All right, current examples. Lord, help those right now who are held hostage by Hamas and collapse their underground networks. That would be a plea. All right, Lord, rescue those who are trafficked and interrupt the program of the exploiters. That would be a plea. Another one, Lord, help our brothers and sisters who are persecuted and hold back the persecutor's ill will. That would be a plea for the Lord to move against wickedness. Here's another one. Lord, help those who are falling prey to ungodly lifestyles and break the terrible influence that is pushing that onto people. That would be a plea. So, strange way to to begin an illustration, but 
if you've used the restroom at our building, um, you've noticed that these prayer calendars are in there, and these are you can get these like. They put out new ones of these, uh, Voice of the Martyrs puts out new ones every year, uh, prayer calendar, and most of these, I would say two-thirds of these are written in plea form, which is very interesting. So if you just want to train your prayer life, train your words to, to pray in plea form, like let me just, tomorrow's is December 4th, India, pray for Christian families that were attacked by villagers while pumping water. All right? Now, was it wicked for Christian families to be attacked while they were pumping water? Absolutely wicked, right? But can we pray for those families who were attacked, right? And then we, can we pray against those attackers? That's, that's plea, right? So if you're looking for a way to just think like, I wanna, I wanna be praying for the world. I wanna be praying for these things. I want this to become my language. That can be one of those means for you, all right? So you lament the prevailing wickedness in the world. Next, you plea with God to move against wickedness. And then here is the third one. In the final step, it's trust that God hears and will triumph over wickedness. You don't stay in lament. You don't stay in plea. You get all the way to the Lord and his character. And that's these last few verses from 16 through 18. Trust God hears and will triumph over wickedness. 16 through 18 say this. Y'all just listen to this. This is the character of God and the person who's praying just calling out the character of God. This is beautiful. This is how he's ending the prayer. He's saying, the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. Oh Lord, you hear the desire of the, of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. What an ending to a psalm with a squirmy beginning and then a list of eight wickednesses and then plea and now trust in what and better yet in who it's in the character of God that's how our psalms end it's how our prayers end God you are this I believe this we trust you about this so as we observe and lament the news a doubt can face us as Christians too a doubt like God you are not who you say you are God, it doesn't seem like you're ruling. It doesn't seem like you're caring. It doesn't seem like you're the judge. But when you are lamenting and pleading and trusting in the Lord, the Lord gets you to this. He brings you back to who he is. He doesn't want you to just sit and stare or hate or be indifferent. He wants to get you to lament and then to prayer and then to trusting his character. And that makes you accurate in your prayer life. It makes you confident in him again and it makes you effective in this world for God's glory and the good of others. So here are six things that we see here in just these three verses about who the Lord is. And this is how we're able to abide in the Lord, not abide in the news, okay? Like if you're here and you're just like, I abide in the news all the time. It's all I think about. And sometimes I'm not even thinking about the Lord for hours or days or weeks on end. And you just get, you get stuck in the cycle, which by the way is is designed to like suck you in, right? And so at some point you gotta turn it off and just, just LPT, right? Just pray. So here's the six things, okay? Here's the six things that God is king forever. That's what we trust. That, that God will judge the nations, that the wicked nations will perish. The third one, that God is inclining his ears to the prayers of the afflicted. The fourth one, that God is establishing the hearts of the afflicted. Now notice this. 
multiple times in the Psalms, and you see this in Paul's life too in the New Testament, um, so much of God's answered prayer is about establishing the hearts of the people who are being oppressed and being afflicted. It's establishing their hearts. And often the Lord doesn't rescue people who are afflicted and who are oppressed from those circumstances, but he is establishing their hearts. And I want us to understand that is a really big deal. Think about so many Christians, like you read Christian biography, you read missionary biography, you, read, you talk to people who are, who are in it, just like suffering in this world, and they're believers, and they're like, you know what, I'm still suffering, I've still got the thing, I'm still being persecuted by this, but you know what, God is with me, and that is so amazing, I have peace that surpasses all understanding, I feel strengthened in him, he's given me words to say, I've led people to Jesus, I've led the people who are persecuting me, to whatever that is, right, there's so many stories like that, and sometimes he leaves you in it, because we are in exile in this world, but he's established your heart through it. So that's got to influence how we pray for people who are going through stuff. I think about people with chronic things going on. There's many of you in this church, right? Like you might not come out of that chronic thing in this life. You will as soon as you get in heaven, praise God, right? But like here, part of our prayer life needs to be, Lord, yes, yes, by all means, deliver them from that thing or, or if it, not, not necessarily a chronic thing as an illustration, but, but even persecution or oppression or whatever that's happening. But God, would you establish their hearts in the midst of what they're facing? That's by all means a prayer that the Lord is giving us here. All right, so, so God is establishing the hearts of the afflicted. The fifth one, God will do justice for orphans and the oppressed, and God will ultimately eradicate the wicked from this world. That last line is determinate, right? That the man who is of this earth may strike terror no more. Like, that's what God can do, and that's what he will do, right? There's no better example of God caring for our oppressed and afflicted and poor world than Christmas, all right? God sends down Jesus to become a human baby in a manger, in weakness, in poverty, becomes a refugee, has to flee to Egypt and then come back. He is politically persecuted, religiously persecuted his entire life, and then he dies on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, and then he rises to new life. So he is the one who came in and has done something and is doing something for our world that is so oppressed, so afflicted, so poor, so needy of truth. Jesus Christ is that for everyone. And so we believe that, and we think like, what it... Sometimes people be like, yeah, well, what has God done? Like, this stuff is just still, well, God sent his son to give you the opportunity to be saved and delivered from his judgment, right? God sent his son so that, so that you can be saved and forgiven before he comes back to judge the world. And God sent his son so that he can teach you and train you in righteousness and transformation so that you can make a difference in this world through your prayer life and through your deeds for the glory of God in this world, you think about like, why, why, Lord, are we still here? Like you saved us and, and heaven is ahead and we believe that, but like, why are you giving me breath right now? It's so that we can glorify God and do good in this world right now. That's why he's leaving us here. That's, that's the purpose. So we read Psalm 10 and we're like, Lord, there's so much wickedness in the world. We're right here. We don't wanna be wicked, but we wanna see you do something about it. So we pray and we, we get to work for the glory of God. So heavy Heavy psalm, right? Heavy psalm. So let me just, 
Let me just light, lighten it up just a little bit, not lighten up the psalm, but just like give you an illustration of how our church is responding to some of these things. So, so Monday, Tuesday, like each morning of the week, I'm doing my sermon prep, and then I've, I've got like a mid-morning meeting with someone on the staff team or something like that. And then Tuesday morning, we, or Wednesday morning, we had an all-staff meeting. And uh, I had just been working on this psalm, and my heart's breaking for the things that are going on in this world, the wickednesses, and the Lord's moving in me and that, and and, uh, and then we get in, get in the meeting, and I've, I've hung out with Ronnie multiple times this week, uh, by, by that point this week. And uh, uh, Ronnie, where, where's Ronnie? He's over there. Everyone say, hi, Ronnie. Right? <laughs> if y'all don't know Ronnie, he's our associate pastor. He oversees our small groups. He oversees outreach and missions, and he oversees uh, our, our small group. Did I say small group? Equipping. Equipping classes, right? So uh, he's great. He also does everything else, right? He's awesome. Uh, so Ronnie has the eye of the tiger right now, and I, I want to encourage y'all about that. His heart is beating for people who don't know Jesus and who need to be loved, people who are in the category of people being oppressed, people who are being afflicted, people who are going through it, people who are poor, and, and he is moving us, and he's noticing who in the church is doing things that, that are awesome and, and bringing those people together to get some amazing things done and, and to relieve some groans in our city. I'm really thankful for Ronnie. So we already shared, uh, Courtney, Courtney already shared part of the story, but they're, they're going, she, he and Shelly and their kids are going around this week meeting with these five families who are refugees and uh, learning about them and, and able to, uh, Shelly realizes one of these, this, this lady's baby doesn't have, they don't have clothes. And so Shelly runs home, gets some clothes that Avi has outgrown, brings them back, like these beautiful things that are happening. All of these refugees are blown away that Christian people who have a different religion than these refugees would welcome people and feed them and share with them the gospel story. Four out of those five families that Ronnie met with had, never, had, had not heard of Christmas before. One of them had. That's amazing. And they're in our city. And y'all, uh, they live, one of them lives within five minutes walking distance of this building. They all live within five minutes driving distance of this building. And so we're local to them. We can help them. It's a beautiful thing. I'm really thankful for what God is doing. And so as we read Psalms like this, we're, we're also thinking about our friends and our family and our coworkers and classmates who don't know the clear difference between what God's word says about who he is and, and what is wicked and what is good. And we, they don't know the difference between, between wickedness and the Lord. And we want to help reach people with the truth and grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you with those things and point out um, very quickly um, several things that we've learned. It, years ago, um, we, were, we were partnered with just a few ministries, and that list would be like five deep, right? Five ministries and uh, able to do some things in, in the city and care for people. And now what we have is kind of five umbrella causes or five umbrella things, uh, group, groupings of, of people that we're caring for. And, here, and here's the list. And I'm not sharing this with you as some like get to work sort of thing right now. I just want to share this with you like this is what our church is doing. This is what the Lord is doing, like what God is doing in our church, okay? So uh, group one, we've already talked about it, refugees through Refugee Hope Partners. And you know, there's five or six people that are active monthly with that ministry, reaching refugees, super thankful for that. We obviously have the dinner this coming Friday night or Saturday night to bless them and care for them. Another one is the homeless. And uh, we want to see the Lord do more and more through this, but the primary ministry we work with with them is Raleigh Dream Center. And uh, Paul, Paul Killens, Paul, are you in this? You were here in the first service. You did announcements. Is he here? He's not here. So Paul actually works at Raleigh Dream Center now, which is amazing. So he's a member of our church and a great man. And 
um, thankful for what God's doing through him there. Another one is prisoners, reaching prisoners. And uh, just so y'all know, uh, Ronnie and two other men in our church have preached at Central Prison for the inmates who are on death row. Caring for them, getting the gospel to them, praying for them, helping them. Um, Ebony Smith works with Pardon by Christ Ministries, which is prison, uh, prison ministry to women. And she does something, uh, on, I think it's one Saturday a month, where she works with what's called the Match Program, so that she can be there as, as a safe advocate to get inmates with their family as they're getting closer and closer to coming out of prison. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, also, CLI, the, the prison book ministry that gets great discipleship opportunities and resources into people's hands. Another one is women choosing life, women who are choosing life. And that's a ministry called Christian Life Home, which we're getting more and more involved in. And we learned this past week that someone in our church is, is uh, close with someone who works there. And so we want to see the Lord do things there as well. Um, one small group has gone and, and had dinner with one of the ladies who has chosen life. She still talks about how wonderful that night was. Uh, the men have gone and cleaned up the property at one of those homes before. Uh, and then the other one is seniors and just caring for seniors in our community. And the way we do that is right across the street at Trio, the totally with it, awesome, amazing people at Trio and uh, uh, caring for them and loving them. So I just want to encourage y'all with that. All right. We want to pray and we want to care and, and we want to get to work. We don't want to just sit and stare or sit and hate or sit and be indifferent. None of those are Christian options. We want to lean in and pray, and we want to LPT. We want to lament, plea, and trust, and then we want to get to work, right? And, and by get to work, it doesn't mean y'all do everything that's offered. We want to give you opportunities. Dive into one of those. I, my dream would be like there's seven people who are, who are like plugged in big time in each of these ministries, and then that spreads to small group with some opportunities you can do. That would be beautiful. We want to relieve the, green, the groans of things that are happening in our city, and, and our heart for that comes right out of God's word. We're like, Jesus, this is, who you, this is who you were to all of us. We want to care. We want to care and bear your image as you have cared and are caring for us. So I want to ask, is one of those things normal, uh, normative for you, staring or hating or indifferent? indifference. And if it is, um, that's not God's design. That's not, that's not a Christian way. So know that about yourself and then replace that with Psalm 10 prayer. And then maybe I'll just close with this word and then I'll pray. It's okay to squirm in your father's arms, All right? Lord, this is uncomfortable. What, what I think is wicked is different than what you think is wicked or what I think is okay. You're telling me is wicked. Squirm, but let him love you and let him care for you in that. And then let him lead you to accurate prayer and living in righteousness, okay? So let's pray together. Father, we, um, we're so thankful for your word that you wrote down your voice, you wrote down your prayers so that we can know how to pray. You can, you can get us on, um, you can get us on your heart that our heart would break for what breaks yours. And so Lord, we wanna lament right now. Um, we wanna lament atheism in our world. We wanna lament indifference in our world that mocks you. Lord, we want to lament um, so many who are hallelujahing their desires of their flesh. They're hallelujahing their ungodly lifestyles. We lament that, Lord. We lament, Lord, the greed of our world while people go unhelped. We lament that, Lord. And we lament the violence in our world. We lament the hate in our world. We lament the racism in our world, Lord. Lord, I plea with you now. We plea with you now that you would, 
establish the hearts of those who are held hostage by Hamas, that you would collapse their underground networks. Lord, that you would rescue those who are trafficked and you would interrupt the program of the exploiters. Lord, that you would help our brothers and sisters who are persecuted and hold back the persecutors' ill will. Lord, that you would help those who are falling prey to ungodly lifestyles and that you would break that terrible influence. And Lord, we pray in trust of you for who you are and what you have done and what you're doing, God, that you are king forever, that the nations will perish, that you are hearing our prayers, that you are establishing the hearts of the afflicted, that you will do justice for orphans and the oppressed, that you will ultimately eradicate the wicked from this world. Lord, we, um, we pray these things. Lament, plea, and trust. We thank you that we can be saved and forgiven through Jesus Christ. And for all of us here who are, we give you praise. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being our Savior. And for anybody here or watching or listening who is not saved and forgiven their sins, confess your sin before the holy and righteous God and believe on Jesus as the, as the one who is the Savior for the penalty of sin. Believe on him and you will be saved. If you're making that decision today, let us know so that we can pray for you and encourage you. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, by the power of your spirit, we pray, amen.